Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to Season 7 of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey, and I obviously cannot do this uh, without uh, my cohort. He's been with me for seven years now, and it's crazy that we've been doing it this long. Jackson McCurry, how you doing, Jack? Doing well, man. It's great that we are doing another season covering the Browns with this podcast, and I gotta be honest, that summer break that we take from the beginning of June until just about obviously now, once we get, you know, training camp gets rolling, it's good. Cause it gives us time to, you know, take a breather after a, another long grueling Brown season where we, it, things didn't go the way we wanted, but we're back. And as Mike Greenberg usually says, we're back and better than ever and ready for, to bring you all the best Browns coverage out there. Uh, so I can't wait to get this thing rolling again, man. I don't know about better than ever, but I, I, I guess it can't go much worse than our first season uh, and what we had to go through. <laughs> that uh, is for sure. If if we go through that again, I, I, I'm just going to quit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we can never go back down to that rabbit hole again. That was that was brutal. No, another reason I might quit is I bought lottery tickets for tonight. And if I win the lottery, nobody will ever hear from me ever again. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to disappear off the face of the earth. So uh, with that lottery being over $1 billion, um, you know, well, we're all hopeful for that. But it, it's an exciting time. Uh, we thought for a while that we weren't going to get a break with all the, the constant Browns news. And it, it's just a, a rampant machine, uh, you know, throughout the off season. And, you know, we were wondering if we were going to get a break. And uh, the last time we talked, uh, it was about the DeAndre Hopkins and thankfully he signed and, and that's all good. But it, it, we're at a new season because today uh, football is officially back. The Cleveland Browns quarterbacks and rookies reported to the Greenbrier in West Virginia and training camp has officially begun, Jack. And it, it, it's definitely exciting to uh, take off on this season. I know we're we're very much excited uh, for the season to start. Uh, we're counting down the days, 53 days until September 10th when the Browns take on the Cincinnati Bengals at home. Uh, we have the Hall of Fame game here in, in a couple weeks. Uh, so that's certainly exciting as well. Um, with football being back, we're, we're, all, we're all thrilled for it. But as with the Browns, I guess we'll touch on the negative news first to start uh, because it could never, we could never seem to escape it. And today the Cleveland Browns released defensive tackle of Perry on Winfrey uh, after police opened up an investigation into him being involved in an armed robbery. Uh, I guess it was last night or the night before. And Jack, I know there's been constant issues with, with Perry on uh, when he, uh, since he was drafted here uh, last year, uh, there there have been numerous things, and you know you've heard guys like you know Miles talk about you know his attitude, what he needs to do, and now uh, he finally reached the, the the end of his rope uh, with the Browns, and he will no longer uh, be a member of the Browns. Yeah, I mean it's it's unfortunate that it's got to come to this situation, but it was Perry on Winfrey kept getting himself in these type of situations. We know back in April. Uh, there was a misdemeanor assault charge against him that got dropped because he did a diversion program. Uh, you mentioned some of the things that happened last year was benched several times. Uh, 
there was a report that he had suffered a concussion riding a scooter. Well, according to Mary Kay Cabot, that turned out to be a lie. He uh, lost control of his car driving to the facility and got a concussion that way. And he wanted to cover it up because he thought, you know, uh, not being able to drive in the snow uh, was going to, you know, be embarrassing. Well, we're in Northeast Ohio. People learn how to drive in the snow every year uh, and sometimes have to relearn it. But yeah, the video that came out, uh, the woman posted it on her Instagram story and you can hear Perry on Winfrey say he was going to smack uh, the woman and her friend. Um, there, there was, he had threatened her with a gun outside the apartment complex, the nine. I mean, it, it, I had tweeted it out this morning uh, while I was at work. I was like, enough is enough. I said, we, the Browns have given Winfrey too many chances and he just keeps messing up. And, you know, it wasn't worth the headache anymore. He was, he was a fourth round pick uh, he did have flashes his rookie year, but I've always said talent isn't everything. Uh, you know, you just cannot keep making the same mistakes. And the Browns finally said enough was enough. And it, I think that was good. They, they, they acted swiftly on this. They didn't wait for all the details to come out. Um, and they just said, why they wiped their hands clean, said enough was enough. And, and honestly, good riddance. I mean, Winfrey was more of a headache and a drama that the Browns just don't need. They they have dealt with enough drama, Anthony, during our the the length of this podcast. And obviously there's other things with the team that have happened in the last couple of years, but they finally decided that it's time to be holding these players accountable and, and Perry on Winfrey got let go. And I, I just think that was the right move that they needed to do. So now that he's no longer here, um, you know, this defensive tackle room um, you know, they did add Dalvin Tomlinson and free agency. They drafted Siaki uh, Ika as well. Uh, but, you know, we, we've been talking about, you know, maybe we should go out and, and sign somebody without having or, or with still having Perry on Winfrey now that he's no longer here. You know, you're still looking at a room with Tomlinson, Ika, uh, Jordan Elliott, Maurice Hurst, uh, Tristan Hill, Tommy Togiai. Do they really? Do they need now to go out and sign somebody? You know, Matt Ioannidis is still sitting out there. Do they need to bring somebody else in? Yeah, I I really do think they need to do this. That they've added, you know, they added four new guys in the off season. But you look at the D tackle room, and it's like on paper, it's still not that great. Like Dalvin Tomlinson was a great signing, their marquee free agent signing this off season. Um, you know, there's hope for Siagi Ika. Um, I call Maurice Hurst and Tristan Hill. On you know the day the Powerball is over a billion dollars, I look at them as two lottery tickets. Both have the talent, but uh, unfortunate circumstances have hindered their NFL careers. And you know Tommy Togi, I just I don't think he hasn't shown anything in two years to prove that he belongs on the NFL roster at this point. So you mentioned Matt Ioannidis. I still can't believe on July 19th he is still out there on the free agent market. I'm hoping. They've, the Browns have been in some sort of contact with him during the offseason, and maybe those efforts ramped up today with the the situation with Perry on Winfrey. But he's out there. Shelby Harris, who's been productive and could help this room, he's still out there. And Nadama Kinsu, which, you know, our former guest of the show, Jacob Roach, said he's probably not going to sign until training camp's over. He's still out there. And even at, well, I think he's 35 years old. He still made somewhat of an impact for the Eagles last year, still showing the ability to uh, generate pressure and get after the quarterback. But I think they need to sign at least one more defensive tackle, you know, depending on how Hurst and Hill do in the preseason and in training camp, they still might need to go out and get another one after that. So, yeah, I definitely think 
Uh, defensive tackle is still a major need on this roster. And with Jim Schwartz being here, like, I, I don't think you can uh, go into the 2023 season with the room we have now at that position. You know, there's always, you know, roster cutdowns too, to where maybe they could look for somebody that is on a team right now uh, and, and bring somebody in, uh, in that situation. So, you know, there's definitely still opportunities to add another player, uh, but let's let's move ahead and away from the the Winfrey stuff, and, and I don't think we have to discuss that anymore. And, and I know we're certainly excited for uh, the Browns' twenty twenty three season, uh, and we want to talk about expectations because last year they finished seven and ten. Uh, it's still weird to have an odd number of games, uh, but uh, they finished seven to ten, missed the playoffs, finished last in the division. But you know, expectations with who you have a quarterback. Uh, the talent that is here on offense, you know, having Miles Garrett on defense, Denzel Ward and crew, uh, you know, the expectation should be, you know, to make the playoffs. And, you know, outside of doing that, I, I really don't think you can call this season a success if they don't make the playoffs. But they still are in a tough division. They're in a very tough conference in the AFC. Uh, we had another good quarterback come to the AFC uh, and Aaron Rodgers, so the Browns will play uh, on Thursday Night Football uh, later in the year. So, you know, while you expect to make the playoffs, it's not going to be an easy road to get there. Uh, what are your expectations for the Browns for this 2023 season? Oh, there's definitely big expectations, and and there should be. The Browns have, I think, one of the 10 best rosters in the league. Uh, you have a quarterback who you give up three first round picks and then some along with 230 million guaranteed his first full season back. Uh, you have a talented roster top to bottom on offense and defense. Like everything's there for the Browns to succeed. You have a good head coach and Kevin Stefanski, a good general manager, uh, and Andrew Barry owners that are willing to spend. I think the Browns have the highest, uh, payroll in the league this year and Jimmy Haslam and D Haslam have continued to, uh, give and give Barry and Stefanski everything they need to succeed. It, it's a big year for the Browns. You, you, you mentioned the stacked AFC. I mean, you got the big three, Kansas city, Buffalo and Cincinnati. And then there's like six or seven teams, including the Browns in, in a fight for those final four spots in the AFC. And I think it's going to come down Anthony all the way to week 18 for those wild card spots, just because, you know, the AFC North is loaded. The AFC West is loaded. Uh, there's those pesky teams in the AFC South that seem to want to, you know, put up a fight. So I just think it's going to be a big year for the Browns and, you know, they come out of the gate playing their divisional opponents. And those are, you know, those are much must win games as the games they play against the other teams in the AFC. It, it's going to be a dog fight all the way towards the end. But like you said, there's big expectations. They have to win this year because if they don't make the playoffs, I, I have a feeling that, and I don't want to talk about it right out the gate on our season premiere, but if they don't make the playoffs, I think changes are definitely going to happen to this organization. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. I don't know if it's just going to be one change or if it's going to be a multitude of changes, but there's certainly been a lot invested into the team going into the season. And if they come out and fall flat on their face, um, it, you know, there's definitely going to be changes. Now, if they go like 11 and six and miss the playoffs, I I don't know how hard you could like fault that. Right. You know, you, you still have a pretty successful season. You know, if you miss the playoffs and you win 11 games, you know, obviously 
that that that's just tough luck. Uh, it's probably going to take eleven uh, to make the playoffs. Um, you know, and and that's you know winning four more than last year. So we'll see. Uh, I it's definitely right that there are expectations here uh, for this team. Um, you know, everything that they that they've invested into it. You know, there there's no doubt, like you said, that they should make the playoffs. And and if they don't, then you know we're gonna have another fun conversation that we've had over these last uh, seven years that we've done uh, this podcast. Uh, you mentioned Deshaun Watson, um, and it is vitally important that Deshaun gets back to uh, form this season. In your eyes, what does he need to accomplish this season? Does it need to be that he goes out and throws for you know 3,500 yards and 35 touchdowns, or is it that he needs to you know lead this team to the playoffs? Does he just need to return to uh, the quarterback that he was in Houston? What does Deshaun, in your eyes, need to accomplish on the field this year? He definitely has to show that he is a top 10 quarterback again. I mean, this is his first full year with the Browns. So he is, you know, he's three years removed, four years removed from that last full season. He played with the Houston Texans when he led the league in passing yards. Uh, they went four and 12. I mean, you people could say what they want. Was he at fault for that? Sometimes. Yes, it was. There was the Houston Texans were just a mess of an organization, but he has to show that he's worth the price the Browns paid to bring him to Cleveland. That was, you know, trading all the draft picks, giving him the fully guaranteed contract. Like it's now a point to where you have to see Deshaun get back into form. And you, there was flashes of it at the end of the year, the second half against Washington at times, you know, I was watching some tape the, the last week or so. And, you know, the flashes of what Watson was during his Texans days was there. It just wasn't all together. Now we know the Browns have, revamped the offense, added more weapons. Stefanski has expanded the offensive scheme, you know, bringing guys in that have a background of the shotgun based offense uh, that Watson was comfortable running. Uh, so this is going to be a big year for Deshaun as much as it is for Kevin Stefanski, but yes, Deshaun needs to show he's the top 10 level of quarterback play. Uh, maybe even you said 3,500 yards. I would say in the passing league that it is now, I think 4,000 might be the bar that he needs to hit at least 30 to 35 touchdown passes and try to limit the interceptions thrown. But we all know Watson has the talent. It's just now a point of going out and proving it to everybody that he was worth what the Browns paid for him. I found this stat very interesting and I, I just learned of it the other day. Do you know who the last Browns quarterback was to throw for 30 or more touchdowns? Wasn't it Brian type? Yes. So yeah. it's been he's the last because he's the last one to throw for over four thousand yards too, and I think the only one in franchise history. So it's been what thirty five years almost forty three years because it was nineteen eighty. It was the MVP year. Okay, so it, yeah. it, it's been forty three years since the Browns have had a, a quarterback throw for thirty touchdowns. Baker got close uh, to it his rookie yep. year, but um, you know it's been that long since we've had a thirty touchdown. So he needs to at least do that. Yeah, uh, this year and uh, with the talent around him on offense, uh, I would think it'd be very hard not to if things go the right way this year. Um, there is a lot of talent on offense around him, and you know some of that they they acquired this year. So, uh, they also acquired uh, quite a bit of, of players on defense. I'll go through some of the names uh, here. You know they they brought in uh, Marquise Goodwin, Elijah Moore, 
uh, on defense, Sedarius Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson, like you mentioned, was their big free agent signing. Uh, Ogbo Okoronkwo, they brought in as well. Uh, you know, they had a lot, plenty of draft picks. Uh, you could add Cedric Tillman there into the receiver mix. Um, they have a new defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz, uh, a new special teams coordinator in Bubba Ventrone. Jack, when you look at what the Browns did this offseason, um, who in your eyes was the biggest acquisition and will make the biggest impact to this team? I'm going to say Elijah Moore because we had talked about it the last couple of years that the Browns lacked, you know, the big playmaker that, you know, could turn a 10 yard catch into a potential 60 yard catch. And uh, don't like, there's no disrespect towards Amari Cooper because he had big plays for the team last year, but Elijah Moore brings an element the Browns haven't had. And they tried, you know, drafting Anthony Schwartz. They were hoping he was going to be that. It just didn't, it hasn't happened yet because of injuries and the ineptitude of him catching the football. But Elijah Moore, you know, we've seen what he was at Ole Miss. I know a lot of people in the Browns community loved him in 21. Um, some were even saying draft him at 26. Obviously, Greg Newsom's turned out to be a good pick there, but Elijah Moore was a second round pick for the Jets, had a solid rookie year with six touchdowns and over 500 receiving yards. But last year he fell off. I think it was poor QB play, just not finding his, his spot in the role on uh, the Jets offense. But now he comes to Cleveland, the Browns traded that second round pick to get him, um, it, he's got that playmaking ability and it seems like the Browns have something for him in mind on offense. They, you know, using him in a spot coming out of the backfield in a Debo Samuel type role during mini camp. So I think more can really turn this offense into uh, what was a good offense last year with Jacoby Brissett and at times Deshaun Watson into one of the top offenses in the league, because he just brings an element that Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones just can't. Yeah, I don't know if they've really had, oh, you know, a home run hitter. I, I guess maybe Josh Gordon is maybe the last one that they had. That, that was honestly the last one that I can remember. You know, I, I know they tried with Travis Benjamin, but you know there were injuries I mean, there. We uh, can say Odell Beckham at a time. Yeah, well, they I mean, they, it, they tried that too, uh, but you know, unfortunately, that didn't work out in the end. So, right, you know, they they've certainly you know have tried to have the big home run hitter, but. Uh, and they're going to do the same thing with Elijah Moore because it's not guaranteed uh, that he's going to do it. But definitely in the flow of this offense, I, I think there's going to be many opportunities for him to be able to do so, especially with a lot of the creative things that Stefanski can do. And if they are able to tailor uh, something specifically to, you know, for Elijah Moore to be successful, um, you know, I, I certainly think that's going to happen, especially when you have a receiver uh, and Mari Cooper, uh, who cracked the top 10 uh, rankings in uh, Madden for receivers this year, uh, which, you know, is kind of surprising. But, um, you know, he certainly can, can get wide open as well. And, and him and Deshaun had a good chemistry last year. And, you know, we've seen videos of Elijah Moore and Deshaun Watson working together. So I think there's certainly an opportunity for this passing attack uh, to, to really uh, – you know, be proficient and, and you know, have a, a lot of success this year. And, you know, something that maybe we have, we haven't had in, in such a long time. And, you know, you look at, you know, the rest of the offense, you know, you have Nick Chubb as well, uh, you know, as your running back, you have people's Jones, you know, I mentioned Tillman Goodwin, uh, you know, Jakeem Grant's coming back from injury. We'll see what he contributes. If, 
you know, if he makes the team. David Bell, their third round pick last year. You know, there, there's a lot of guys here, Jack, and I think it's going to be very interesting. Oh, I forgot about Najoku uh, as well. Uh, so there's a lot of guys. Can't, can't forget about the Chief. Yeah, uh, who looked spectacular in those, that uniform, and we'll talk about that later. Um, you know, there's certainly an opportunity here for this offense, and, and I'm going to be very curious to see how it plays out because you have all these receivers, you have the Joku, you have uh, Nick Chubb. So when you go, you know, three, four wide, who's going to be out there? You know, is it going to be Cooper, Peoples, Jones, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin? Is it going to be Cooper, Peoples, Jones, Goodwin, Najoku four wide? Uh, you know, uh, sending Najoku out. So I I think it's uh very interesting to see how this is all going to shake out with all these different guys that they have on offense and the different possibilities, um, you know, that Stefanski has to utilize them. And it could be just a game by game basis. You know, if they feel that all right this week. Uh, Peoples Jones can have success against this team, and they focus the game plan there. Great, you know if they think running the ball this week is going to be effective, and you know they run the ball thirty, thirty-five times, and you know Washington throws for twenty, but they still win. Great. So I, I think there's a lot of options, and hopefully it's not uh, the proverbial too many cooks in one kitchen kind of thing. But I, I think there's a lot of options on this team where you know you could go week to week. Uh, with different playmakers and and find success. Yeah, definitely. I just think you know this is going to be exciting to see what Stefanski has cooked up this offseason. Obviously, he brought in Bill Musgrave, who they had uh, time together in Minnesota. He was in uh, the college ranks the last couple of years. I know there was talk that uh, there's going to be more of the Chip Kelly shotgun style offense uh, being implemented here, which I think Chip. People say, well, it didn't work in Philly. I think if Chip Kelly was like the OC for the Eagles during that time, it probably would have worked, but he was obviously the head coach and uh, running the whole organization, but that offense has been effective. Uh, I think they're going to do a lot of different things to, you know, boost this offense and be able to use all of the weapons uh, at Deshaun Watson's disposal in order to have a successful season. Uh, Anthony, who do you think is going to be the biggest, uh, make the biggest impact among the offseason acquisitions uh, the Browns made? So I'm going to cheat because you said one player, but I I, <laughs> I, I don't play by the rules. So we know this. Um, okay. I, I, you know, just, just call me Eddie Guerrero. I don't play by the rules. Um, <laughs> I I honestly think that the defense, the the acquisitions they made on defense, starting with Jim Schwartz, we know what he's done in the past as defensive coordinator uh, with those Eagles teams, uh, what they were able to do when they won that Super Bowl, having all those different uh, defensive linemen have a, a multitude of sacks and, and able to generate pressure. Um, Zadarius Smith, uh, who they acquired in a trade from Minnesota, I think is going to be a, a really key piece on this team, uh, being opposite Miles Garrett. You know, you know, having a guy of his caliber on the opposite side of Miles uh, is something that they've been trying to find. Uh, I know they tried it with Clowney, um, so having a guy like Smith on the other side is going to be extremely helpful. Uh, they brought in, they signed Agbo Okoronkwo uh, as another uh, pass rusher. Um, defensive end 
So there's another guy you could throw out there in, in pass rush situations. So I, I really think that, uh, you know, the, the combo of Dalvin Thomason too, you know, their run defense really uh, was not good last year. Uh, they were, you know, gashed for yardage uh, quite a bit. You know, that Atlanta game still, my goodness. Um uh, you know, so they they went and solidified uh, as much as they could the the middle of that defense. Um, so I I think those three guys plus Jim Schwartz is really going to turn this defense around, and it's something that they really really need because you do have good players in the secondary. You have Denzel Ward, you have Greg Newsom, uh, Martin Emerson is coming off a great rookie year. Uh, you signed Juan Thornhill. That's another guy. Uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who has a Super Bowl experience. So you have some really solid players in the secondary. And if you can have your you know defensive line pass rush situation in a place uh, where they're very successful and are able to constantly generate pressure, that's going to lead into mistakes from opposing quarterbacks to where this secondary can really capitalize um, you know, on that. And, and vice versa, too. If you have a good secondary, uh, it allows guys to stay covered longer to where your pass rush can get home and you're able to sack the quarterback. You know, we, we've constantly talked about complimentary football, and I think that Jim Swartz is somebody who can scheme things to where um, everybody is successful if you play as a team. And I know, you know, they've been looking for some defensive leadership and whatnot. You thought you might have had that with – uh uh, John Johnson uh, coming over from the Rams, that didn't work out. So, you know, if, you know, this defense is, is able to uh, play as a cohesive unit and, and are able to play a, as a as a team, I, I think this defense is really going to make some noise with all these different acquisitions that they made. And hopefully they can get acquainted to each other uh, really quickly and, and are able to, to have some uh, success here. Yeah, definitely. I think like we all thought that there was a t- there was talent on the defensive side of the ball. We just needed new leadership in terms of coaching. We definitely got that with Jim Schwartz. Um, they did add some more talent to that room. You know, Dalvin Tomlinson, I thought was a huge signing. Uh, getting Zadarius Smith and Okoronkwo and even Isaiah McGuire in the third round. Uh, you know, followed our motto, Anthony, that we always said you can never have enough pass rushers, and you know that secondary. Definitely, I think, needed leadership as well. And getting Juan Thornhill, who's been successful in Kansas City, and Rodney McLeod, who has been a solid vet wherever he's been throughout his career. Like, I just think adding, you know, voices and leadership to that side of the ball, along with the talent we've had, like with Miles and uh, Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, I think, you know, and all under Schwartz's leadership and tutelage, I think this defense can finally be the impactful defense that we've been hoping for these last couple of years. Uh, you know, now it's just a matter of can Schwartz, you know, coach these guys up to their full potential and to see this defense uh, at full strength. It, it's going to be something to watch for sure. And, and with, you know, the AFC North, you need to have a good defense because you have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd on, on the Bengals uh, and, Baltimore, you have Lamar Jackson who resigned. You have you now have Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, over there. Um, they still have a good running attack in Pittsburgh. You know they have Kenny Pickett and, and uh, Pickens who had a nice rookie season. 
Uh, Najee Harris still a good runner. So you need to have a good defense if you want to compete in your division. And hopefully this defense is able to put it together to where, um, you know, you could do enough in those games to, to be in them and, and potentially win them. So, you know, this, this defense is going to have the work cut out for them in the AFC North, but obviously, you know, the rest of the AFC too, you have good quarterbacks. So if the Browns are going to make the, the playoffs this season, I think it's going to rely probably more on their defense uh, than their offense to, um, you know, take, take the right step and, and be able to, you know, help propel them to the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, we have the the motto is always defense wins championships, and even these last several years, you know, the last decade or so, where offense has become the focal point, like you've seen the defenses turn it on when it comes to the playoffs. Like the Eagles' defense a few years back, the one that Jim Schwartz led to the Super Bowl over the Patriots. Uh, you know, the Chiefs had a good defense down the stretch in that Super Bowl to prevent the Eagles from. Uh, beating them at the in the final minutes like you know the 49ers have always had a strong defense the last couple years like defense still wins championships just as much as the quarterbacks and the offense do so yeah the browns you know focused on defense this offseason revamped it upgraded it now we just got to see the production out on the field and i think under jim schwartz who uh his background speaks for himself what he's been able to do with defenses in, in tennessee detroit and philly uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to get this defense up to its full potential. If you have a good quarterback and a good defense, it gives you a shot. And I, I, I would like to believe that they have a good quarterback. We'll, we'll find out that answer this season. I think they're going to have a good defense. So I, I, that to me, that equates the Browns having a shot to make the playoffs and, and, you know, maybe make a little bit of noise, but we'll see how all these things play out. And now while we talked about those, um, pieces being a big impact uh they've obviously added a lot of players with the draft and free agency and everybody else jack who are you specifically excited to watch and, and keep your eye on this year whether it's you know somebody who maybe was a rookie last year taking another step uh, forward or maybe you know it's still uh somebody like nick chubb who you know just does tremendous things every season that he's been here who are you excited to watch this year well, Nick Chubb would be the obvious answer because he's my favorite Brown and I, I, he really excelled in the shotgun, but uh, last year. So I expect that to not change at all, but I'm going to say Grant Delpit just because last year we saw him have a fully healthy season. And we finally started to see that true potential uh, had over a hundred tackles, had four interceptions um, led the NFL safeties and stop tackles, which could be a good or bad thing just because once you get to that, if you're the next level, as like a receiver or a running back, if you're back in the safety's range, give or take where he's lined up in the situation, it might not be good for that. But like now, you know, John Johnson's gone. So Grant Delpit's the full-time box safety. I think he's really going to excel in that role. I always, I never thought he could be a free safety. I know the Browns tried that, tried John Johnson at that, but they needed a true safety. So they get uh, Juan Thornhill. But I think Delpit, this year can finally untap that true potential that we saw when we drafted him in the second round back in 2020. I think Delbert's going to be an impact player. And then it comes to the situation. Do the Browns have enough to keep him around? Because they obviously have invested in a lot of other positions. He's a free agent after this year. So if he has a great year, what's going to lead to his future? Is he going to be with the Browns or is it going to be that situation where 
unfortunately we're going to have to let you go just because there's not enough money to go around for everybody. And this is what good team, this is what happens with good teams, but Delbert's going to be the one, one of the guys that I can't wait to see on the field just because we saw that true potential now with even better coaching. I think we could see the best of Grant Delbert in 2023. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see Delpit. Um, I, I phrase this question specifically to say season and not preseason because in the preseason, I'm excited to watch DTR uh, play quarterback. Um, I think he's he's going to be a lot of fun and make those preseason games watchable. But getting you know to to the regular season here, um, man, it's tough. There, there are there are a handful of guys. And I, I think this guy might fly under the radar a little bit based on some of the other acquisitions uh, that they made. Um, I, I'm going to go defense. I'm going to say Okoronkwo. Um, I think having guys like Miles and Zadarius Smith on defense is going to give somebody like Okoronkwo, who has had plenty of success uh, as a pass rusher, I think is going to give him even more in a, of an opportunity uh, to do some special things, and with Jim Schwartz as your defensive coordinator, you know I think there's an opportunity to create more of those. So I, I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. And I, I, I would really, you know, it's been uh, a while since you know we've had a good, uh, a consistent pass rush. So I think if you're able to have three guys that can continuously, you know, put pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, that being Miles and, and Zadarius and, and Okoronkwo, you know, this defense is going to be in really good shape. Um, I, I think Okoronkwo is going to fly under the radar a little bit. I, I think he kind of has since the uh, Zadarius trade um, a little bit. So that's who I'm excited to watch. I, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a fun thing, and I think he's going to do um, exactly what they brought him here for and, and is able to find success under Jim Schwartz. Yeah, I definitely think so too. I liked uh, that addition. Uh, we've always said you could never have enough pass rushers. He's been good um, in his limited opportunities with the Rams and uh, last year with the Texans. But now he can just, you know, be that guy where he might be on third down. You know, they kick Zedarius Smith inside or kick Miles inside, and he can be that uh, pass rusher that doesn't get, you know, an offensive tackle on him because they're too worried about. Miles or Zadarius Smith in that situation. And you could see Okoronkwo show his true potential because he's always been like the second or third option and he is going to be here. But if you got those two guys on the field, defense offensive lines are going to focus on those guys. And then Okoronkwo can be in free range and just go get the quarterback. So the potential's always been there with him. And, you know, it's a, it's a relatively cheap deal that they got him in free agency, but he, I think he can really make an impact on that defensive front. Yeah, I think he will too, and I, I think it, it's that that whole defensive front I think is going to be fun to watch this year, uh, and we'll find out really shortly uh, about that. Th this next question has I, I I think been talked about a little bit recently, and and we wanted to touch upon it too, um, and, and it's asking the question: Do the Browns have enough leadership? And, and this ranges from. You know, not just guys like Miles Garrett, uh, but you know, also you know Kevin Stefanski. Jack, does this team currently constructed and who they have here? You know, Stefanski, the coaching staff. 
down to Deshaun Watson, the the rest of the offensive players, Miles Garrett on the defense. Uh, does this team have enough leadership uh, to be successful? Uh, you know, if things go, you know, awry for a week or two, that they're able to get things back on track during the season. Uh, the, does this team have enough of that uh, for you? You know, this this whole discussion got brought up several times during the off season, and it got brought up last week because. You know, former Browns defensive lineman Malik Jackson talked about Miles Garrett's Miles Garrett's leadership um, during his time there in 2021. Um, you know, I think you can be a leader in a, in a variety of ways. You can be a vocal leader. You can lead by example. You know, there's there's all sorts of ways to be a leader per se. And I think you know people give Miles a bad rap because he's he's had some bumps in the road. The Mason Rudolph incident, him flipping his car last year, speeding. Um, you know he's done some other things on the field. I think he smacked an offensive lineman the one time. I think it was the Tennessee game. Um, there's guys that lead in different ways. Miles, maybe he's just not cut out to be a leader. We know he's a quiet guy. He's always considered himself an introvert, so he's never been that opal open vocal guy. Um, and then there was during the off season, he didn't show up to all the OTAs and like everybody points the finger at miles, but they don't do it to guys like Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio, other guys that are quiet um, lead by example, guys, they didn't come to all the workouts during the off season, but everybody wants to point the finger at miles. And I think there is enough leadership to answer your question on this team because there's guys that lead by example. There's the vocal guys. I think Juan Thornhill is going to be one of those vocal leaders on the defensive side. I think Zadarius Smith is going to be too. Um, it, but like you said, when it comes into a season where the Browns might hit a roadblock and they're facing some adversity, do they have enough? I think they do. I think they do. I think the culture has changed somewhat. We've had bumps in the road the last couple of years when Odell Beckham forced his way out, when Jadevian Clowney forced his way out. Uh, those guys are not here anymore. So I think Stefanski and Andrew Barry have, you know, sifted through this roster, eliminated the distractions and the guys that, you know, might not be the leaders. And I think they're bringing in a good core group of guys that lead by example, guys that can speak vocally and be those leaders when the going gets tough. But I think the biggest leader on this team, Anthony, has to be the quarterback. He's the face of the franchise. You know, even if, you know, what happened in the past was wrong, Deshaun's going to be the center of attention because he's the quarterback, because he's going to be the guy everybody looks to late in the game when the Browns are down and need a touchdown. They're going to look to four and say, go lead us to victory. And he has to be that guy. So, and I think they have to look to him to be the guy because they, what his his status is, how much money he makes. And at the end of the day, the quarterback position is the most important position in sports. And he has to be the one to lead this team into battle and hopefully into victory. It's interesting. You mentioned face of the franchise there, because I was, I was just ready to bring that up. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, guys like Joe Batonio and, and Nick Chubb and, you know, pointing fingers at miles. You know, I, I think that's probably because, you know, miles is probably the face of the franchise. If not, one of them, yeah. I guess, with Deshaun. So, you know, when when you have your your franchise cornerstone, uh, you know, everybody, you know, fans, media, players are, are going to look to that guy uh, to to be you know leader, whether you know it's it's fair or not. And that's just unfortunately the the case and what it is. So, you know, I I think that this this defense is going to be in a good spot to where 
you know, you, you mentioned Juan Thornhill, where they're not going to need uh, somebody to, you know, constantly motivate them. I, I think the motivation is going to be there. Uh, I think how, you know, a lot of times last year, how they were, you know, you know, punched in the face a lot uh, on defense. I, I think that's going to, you know, motivate these guys. And, uh, and obviously, you know, Jim Swartz, you know, that we've talked about is going to contribute to that too. Um, but, you know, you have the, the face of the franchise on offense, on defense, and, you know, some of those leadership responsibilities are going to fall to you. And if they're going to be successful, you know, those two guys, when it's set, you know, crunch time, you know, within two minutes, whether you have to get a touchdown or you have to prevent somebody from scoring, uh, you have to get off the field on third down or fourth down, um, you know, it's going to fall on those two guys to, to get the job done. And you know, whether that that's fair or not, you know, that has to be debated. But, you know, with the NFL, that's just how it is. And if this team wants, you know, to have playoff aspirations and, and even farther, I'm not going to say the word. I, I, it's day one. I'm not saying that one yet. Um, but if they want to get further than just making the playoffs, uh, you're, you're going to need leadership uh, on both sides of the ball. And you're going to look to your two cornerstone uh, pieces to do so. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad you have brought up Jim Schwartz because I think the leadership's going to come from him too. I think, you know, what happened during Joe Woods' tenure, like I don't think you're going to see Miles Garrett call the defensive him out in the open to the media like he did to Joe Woods because I think Jim Schwartz, like the moment the players came back in the building in April for OTAs and minicamp. I think he kind of just, I think he probably nipped all that in the butt and like commanded the respect of the room. Like from the moment he walked in the door and those players walked back in the door under his watch. Like, I don't think he's going to tolerate a lot of the crap that's gone on in the past on that side of the ball. And I think he's really going to bring them all together uh, and not, do the things that Joe Woods was doing. I like, and I know Joe Woods, you know, he's a good coach. I don't think he was a great defensive coordinator. Um, I just think he's not cut out for that role, but I think he's a good secondary coach or defensive back coach. But I think Jim Schwartz is really going to eliminate some of the things that happened in the past, the miscommunications, the infighting. I think all that stuff's going to get nipped in the butt uh, and, or it already has, and it's going to continue to do so. Yeah, I, I think so too, and I think that'll be a a, a good thing for this team uh, as well. So, you know, as we get ready to to wrap up this first episode here, Jack, um, we'll, we'll close it on some some positive news. I I think it's gonna be positive for most fans. Uh, but yesterday the Browns revealed uh to go along with their uh 1946 throwback uniforms. They are going to throw back to having a white helmet. The white helmet is going to be a it's going to be an all white helmet with a a brown and uh, a brown orange brown uh, stripe down the middle. Jack, what were your thoughts when you saw this new helmet? Uh, and you know, I I know it's going to be uh, interesting, but the 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 rendering of it looks good. It looked good on the Joku. What are your thoughts about them adding in this white helmet, which they will wear? Uh, three times this season in what they're calling their their whiteout series. Uh, it'll be you know Monday Night Football at Pittsburgh at the where uh, the where at home against San Francisco, uh, and then they'll 
uh, where at home on Thursday night against the Jets, which it really could be a whiteout since that game is in late December, uh, and it could be a blizzard. So um, it could really be an all whiteout uh, at, at that point. Yeah, so this is it had been rumored for a while. Um, Brad Steinberg from the OBR hinted about it um, a couple months back, and then you know you see the the little small promo, which I'm sorry, but the the fact that it's sponsored by Dude Wipes was hilarious to me because there's been so many Cleveland Browns toilet bowl references slash jokes over the years that you know them being sponsored by Dude Wipes now just continues the the running gag. Um, but I love the helmets. I, I have, I had actually just won Anthony on last weekend, a Joe Thomas autograph mini helmet. And it's that helmet. So they've been selling these for a while. There's always these different com- color combinations that they have, uh, with the mini helmets and stuff. And I want a Joe Thomas autographed one. So that's pretty sweet. Um, but I love the white helmet look. I love that they have a complete whiteout, uh, uniform now, um, it looks slick. It, it's fresh. It's clean. It's just something different. I know a lot of people have been wanting the Browns to wear an all orange uniform. I still don't think it looks good. Um, there's that that one Nick Chubb jersey that was floating around for sale like a year or two ago. I just don't like the all orange look, but I love this all white look. I just think it looks fresh. It's clean. It, it's just perfect. I love the orange uh, and brown stripe right down the middle. I really thought they could have maybe added the numbers that they had on the 75th anniversary uh, uniforms a couple years ago. Um, I have that helmet here sitting in my room. I thought they could have added something on the sides maybe, but all in all, I think it looks great. Like you said, uh, the photos of Najoku in the uniform, it it just looks perfect. And I'm kind of hoping they bring this look out three times a year permanently. Uh, I just think it's a great look and it's a nice twist up on the uh, uniforms this might be an unpopular opinion but when they when they did their jersey rebrand uh the first time and they had those orange uniforms uh with the 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 white cleveland on the chest and the white 73 i like those and i and and madden i would wear the the orange jersey and the orange pants because i thought that combination looked good i have that older Orange one that they had when uh, like Couch and Holcomb were here, were here, I didn't like. That that version of it I actually liked. That's the only iteration of that jersey brand I liked uh, was the orange one. Um, and it's a shame that they keep on using Joe Thomas and the terrible <laughs> for for, oh, the, yeah, for the, the Hall of Fame stuff. Yeah, that's, that's not a good look. Um, you know, it, it should be the, the, the regular jersey, but... Um, you know the the all white looks really good, and I'm excited. You know for these whiteout games, what a great way to, you know, wear those throwbacks uh, against Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football early on in the season. Uh, I think it's going to look really good. Uh, you know, obviously next to their you know black and yellow, I think the all white will look good. Um, so you know, I, hey, I'm all for it. I, I I'm not the the orange helmet is obviously you know, iconic and is, you know, what the franchise is known for and has been the symbol of the Browns for many, many years. Uh, but, you know, it, it's not a terrible thing to have, um, you know, the all-white uniform. Kind of like how I like the when Ohio State does the all-black uh, uniform. That looks really good. So, you know, I'm all for this for this version of the uniform, um, you know, for, for them to wear a few times this season. Um 
you know, as we get on out of here, Jack, I, I guess maybe the one last thing we could, could, could cover, we mentioned the Hall of Fame, uh, as fittingly so and as appropriate um, as it should be, Joe Thomas is going to be the final speaker uh, for the Hall of Fame ceremony. And, you know, I don't think there's any reason why it, it shouldn't be anyone but Joe. And, and we'll get to see that. Are you going down there for that? Are you planning on it? I, I'm sure I'll watch it. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get down there or not to, to watch the ceremony. But um, you planning on going? You're going to watch? I'm going to watch from home. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan right now. It's just um, the ticket prices weren't too crazy, but I just felt um, something like that. I just don't want to, like, sit all day out in the hot sun with the way the weather's been in northeast ohio just uh um because it starts at noon so it's going to be all day like right during the peak of the peak of the day so it's going to be pretty hot so yeah i'm just going to stick at home but yeah like you said it's no better man uh to uh cap off that hall of fame weekend than having joe thomas do his speech last you know there's some good guys demarcus Ware, darrell revis i think ronde barbaru i think could all give good speeches but i think it was only fitting that in northeast ohio the next member of the cleveland browns be the, the final man of that class to give his speech so i think it's gonna be a great one for sure i agree yeah i'm, I'm gonna definitely watch it here and uh we'll, we'll definitely talk about it after it happens you know we're only a couple of weeks away from that and uh, the hall of fame game. So football season is right around the corner. We're glad to be back. Uh, Jack, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here? Nah, man, it's just great to get this thing rolling again. Um, definitely looking forward to covering the Cleveland Browns to the best of our abilities this year. Uh, definitely going to have some guests on here throughout preseason and training camp. So uh, definitely stay tuned to the podcast. All right, I haven't done one of these in forever, so if I butcher this outro, uh, too bad. Um, <laughs> as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Jokey, J-O-K-I, Jack on Twitter at JackMcCurry08. That's still your handle, right? Yes. Okay, that hasn't changed. Thank God. All right, uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at The Dogland, uh, on Facebook at the same address, uh, threads as well. Uh, same for, for Instagram. We're going to get those uh, rolling uh, at some point here. Uh, be sure to listen to us um, you know, on Apple, Spotify. Uh, Spotify would greatly help us out if you did. Uh, with all that, we're going to get on out here, and I will leave you with the two most important words as we start out this uh, new season, and that is Go Browns. <laughs>